0: You know, we talk a lot about conversion in the church today, and rightfully so. Uh, Conversion is is really, at the end of the day, what we hope for, uh, what we pray for. Um, As Christian leaders, we think about our our churches. We think about uh, all the time, energy, people, volunteers that we pour into everything that we do. But it doesn't mean a lot unless there are people who are outside of the faith coming into the faith. And uh, so we celebrate conversions. We, uh, we, we, we think about them a lot. And I want to talk about something that's very real, that's a part of the church. But I don't think we talk enough about it in the church. And, and I'm going to call it reversions. So reversions are kind of like the word itself sounds. They are faith going in reverse. Uh, maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, people who you would look at and you would say, uh, look, their their faith ought to be going forward, like moving forward. But it's not. Uh, it's moving backwards. And and I'm going to be honest uh, for all of us. There, there's times when our faith is full throttle. It's moving forward. We feel great in our relationship uh, with Jesus. We do. There's other times where we feel kind of stuck in the, the sludge of life. And, you know, it's not that we don't believe we have faith. Uh, but sometimes it feels a little bit more distant. Um, and, and we talk about that. But sometimes uh, I, I think there, there come these moments where if we were honest, we'd say, no, I, I'm not just stuck in sludge. I kind of feel like I'm going backwards. And, and I want to come around that uh, because there, there's some questions that I think it, it raises for us. Uh, as Christian leaders today, and the very first question is uh, root cause. What, what would cause that? What causes someone who you would say they should be moving forward in their faith? What causes them to begin to move backwards? Second thing I want to think with you about is triggers. Uh, are there identifiable triggers, things I can point to and say, look, if these things are happening, chances are good. You're either beginning that backward slide or, or you're, you're fully engaged in it. And then I want to get personal today. I really do scale of one to 10. I want you to think about yourself. Where are you? 10 throttle down. You know what? Life is, is, is good. My relationship with Jesus feels just solid, are you stuck in the sludge somewhere four or five, or or maybe? Because I, I believe this is true. There's some of you listening today who would say to me, if you're honest, you'd say to me, you know what? I I think I'm going backward. Uh, so our, our modus operandi for this podcast is we're going to look at this subject through the lens of the narrative that makes up the book of Daniel. Uh, If you've been following the podcast, you know we just finished chapter 2 of Daniel. We're going to enter into chapter 3 today because I I really do think it helps us come around this this subject of reversion. Let me tell you what got me thinking about this is, uh, if I can put it in one word, deconversions. Again, we talk a lot about conversions in the church, Uh, but more and more in our world today, Kind of this this postmodern world, we're starting to hear stories of people who uh, have left the faith. They've deconverted, and I'm not talking about stories of just anyone. I'm talking about people who you and I would look at in the church, and we would say, "Look, if if anyone should be full throttle moving forward in the faith, it would be these people." But they're they're not. In fact. There are people who are standing up and typically through social media or, or other um, uh, means of communication are, are being able to say, I, I am leaving the faith. I'm talking about people like Hillsong worship leader, Marty Sampson, so worship leader and, and he's deconverted or a Christian author Joshua Harris had uh, a leader in the church for years. I, I'm deconverting. I'm leaving the faith. Christian entertainers like Rhett McLaughlin or Gungor. Gungor wrote one of my all-time favorite praise songs, Beautiful. I love that song, and I mourn that he's one of these voices out there that said, yeah, I've been a Christian a long time. I'm getting out. I'm stepping out. Uh, Christian professors, I think of Bart Ehrman. Christian influencers, Jen Hatmaker. Uh, who've all stepped away from and out of the faith. And I I don't think these are alone, not by any means. In fact, Pew Research suggests that for every one person entering the church today, uh, four are in the process of leaving it. Think about that. Every one coming in, four are going out. Uh, Pine Top Foundation, a foundation that, again, looks at trends within culture, suggests that over the next three decades, over the next 30 years, uh, between 30 and 54 million young people growing up in Christian homes today uh, will actually step out of and leave the faith. And it just it just causes you, again, to come back and to and to ask the question, what in the world is going on? What would what would caused this? Well, I'm going to tell you that I think um, reversion, this this backwards movement, has been going on uh, for a long time. This is not a new phenomenon. It's been around. And I think we see it, interestingly enough, uh, through the pages of this narrative, uh, the book of of Daniel. Uh, If you remember with me where we left off chapter two, uh, last time we we met, uh, we've got Daniel, who's spoken into the life of this king, this pagan king, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar has made Daniel his chief uh, advisor for, for all things spiritual. And a- as chapter three begins, uh, about seven years have uh, has elapsed between chapter two and chapter three. We're about 594 B.C. Now, during those seven years, here's here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine the influence that Daniel has been having on this pagan king. Uh, not that many people get access to a king. They they really don't. Why? Kings are paranoid. They they're always watching out for their power. Right? I don't want somebody from the outside to come in and take my power away whether that's an offensive army from outside or maybe someone from from inside so i think when i picture daniel daniel is a servant to the king and over the course of seven years we we imagine he's been uh sharing stories sharing thoughts with the king about uh his upbringing about jerusalem uh no doubt the king is is interested uh, after all, Daniel is the only spiritual person he knows whose God allowed him to interpret this dream that God had sent him. And so you want to believe, as, as chapter 3 gets started seven years later, that we're going to meet this king, and you know what? He's moving forward. Uh, he's starting to, to ask more faith questions. Maybe he's gotten to that point where he's saying, Daniel, I want to know more about, about this God. But instead... As chapter 3 begins, what do we see? We see what I call reversion. Here's what we know. Based upon extra-biblical literature, specifically the Chronicles of the Babylonian Kings, that's a book that exists outside of the Bible. It's not written by Christians or or people who are religious. It's just a history book, right? Taken from the pages of of that, that, that period of time. Based on what we know, uh, a coup has taken place, an attempted coup has taken place in Babylon. In other words, a number of people internally have tried to overcome King Nebuchadnezzar and take his throne from him. Now, this this is not surprising. This is not odd. This is part, part of what it means to live in the real world, and particularly the, the pagan world. Um, although we certainly see the same kind of pattern happen in the Bible. Just read first and second Kings or first and second Chronicles and you, and you see it. So the King, what is his response? Well, if he's moving forward in the faith, we would expect the King to be concerned, but maybe we would see him exercising some form of forgiveness or, or mercy or grace. And we see none of that. Instead, what does the King do? Well, Chapter 3 begins with this King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's enraged. And he is going to make some people pay for trying to overcome him. In fact, what he does is so paradoxical. Think about this with me. Initially, God sends him this dream about this statue telling him, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to lose your throne, right? Statue. So what do we see him do in chapter 3? He's upset. He's angry. I'm going to I'm going to get justice. And so what does he do? He builds his own statue and he its not a little statue, by the way, about 90 feet tall. He places the statue in a niche on the, the outer walls of Babylon and he calls people from around Babylon, including from within it, to come and to bow down before him and to worship him. I'm just going to read uh, from the text. If you want to read along, uh, this is Daniel chapter 3. I'm beginning verse 1. I'm going to skip around just a little bit. I'm I'm reading out of the ESV. Read out of whatever version you would like. Here's, here's the words. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits, his breadth six cubits. He set it on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, perfex, uh, prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, the officials of the provinces, all right, the, the provinces around Babylon, to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I'm going to skip down to verse 4. And the herald or the proclaimer proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O people, nations, languages, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipes, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And I'll listen to this, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the fiery furnace. He is demanding worship. He he hasn't, seven years, he has not gone forward at all. He, in fact, he is reverting. He is, he is going backwards and he's demanding worship of this, this idol that he's created and, in essence, worship of himself. And, and I think this scene, again, just raises these questions that we began with today. Well, what causes this? What is the root cause of people going Backwards in their faith. I think this is interesting. Michael J. Kruger is the president of the Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina, he's done a, a little bit of studying. There's about, again, there's about ten thousand currently about ten thousand deconversion stories on the internet, and uh, Dr. Kruger began to ask the same question: What what is it that causes this? And he he identifies two things. Um, Number one, pain. He says quite often when you read deconversion stories, they're filled with pain. The person has gone, come into the church expecting what grace, mercy, love, acceptance, and painfully they've experienced the opposite. Secondly, uh, offense relative to dogma over uh, over love. Uh, I hate to say this, but too often this happens in the church when somebody is, is sliding away from the faith or they're, they're asking questions, or they're disagreeing with something rather than love that person and meet that person where they are. The church can have um, a propensity towards just taking its dogma. This is what we teach and believe. And by gosh, you'd better believe it. And we weaponize it. We weaponize the Bible and the person is left uh, in pain and, and wondering what, why don't you care about me now personally i think it goes deeper than that Uh, jesus in matthew chapter 15 verse 19 points to what to the heart of a person you remember these words jesus says out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false witness and slander I, i think when somebody asks me what what causes us to move backwards it's it's our our hearts remember this that Christianity is not a religion it's a relationship and it's about our hearts and being in love with Jesus and And when we begin to to move away from that or something causes us to move away from that or maybe we do experience some pain from a person inside the church and, and we we kind of start to pull back away from even Jesus himself. When that begins to happen, I, I think that, that out of our hearts can come these, these this sense of feeling like, I, I don't know if I need this or I want this anymore. And remember, there's an enemy at work within us. I, I have no question about that. Um, second, secondly, I think, can we identify uh, those triggers or can we point to some things that would say to you and I, I think I'm there, I'm, I'm going backwards instead of forwards. Again, kind of interesting to me, John Marriott is the research and program coordinator at Biola University. He's written a book called The Anatomy of Deconversion. And he lists three things. I call this I call this um, uh, deconversion in 3D because he gives us 3D words. The first is doubt. He says, when you start to really begin to just doubt, I, I don't know if I believe this word of God anymore. I, I really don't know that this is true. I, I really don't know that. He says, the enemy's at work beware secondly disillusionment with the church when the church again is not not what you thought it would be the enemy pounces on that and he says not only is the church not what it should be but guess what god isn't either god isn't either doubt doubt his word doubt him the third thing he, he identifies is just disappointment with God, and I hear this a lot. Pastor, I've prayed, I went before God, and and nothing happened, and I don't know if I can trust or believe in this God anymore. And all of a sudden, we're we're heading that wrong direction, and I got to ask him, I am I talking to you? Is there a doubt in your life right now? Have you been hurt? I think when we start to find ourselves moving backward, not forward in the faith. Um, uh, my my prayer is that that the Holy Spirit who's shouting inside of us that that you'll hear His voice, and, and I think there's a couple of things that that really come to to my mind. If you have that sense that these triggers are present, first is ask yourself: Is it possible that right now I am under spiritual attack? I, I so believe that the Bible is absolutely right when it talks about this enemy who hates us who will do anything and everything to separate us from the word of God and from Jesus Christ are you under attack second thing I think we have to begin to ask ourselves when we're moving in the wrong direction we're moving backwards I think we have to begin to ask ourselves am I giving the Holy Spirit room to work unfortunately I think I think when we get hurt, or when, when our emotions feel drab, or when we begin to, to go the wrong direction, we can start to just move away from those patterns, those rhythms of life that keep us connected to the Word of God, and they're so important for us, and I think that Daniel chapter 3 just grabs this and says, look, uh, where are you on that continuum today? Listen, that, that's all for today. I'm, I'm going to be praying for you because I really do believe there's some of you out there that are just struggling. I'm going to ask you to pray for me. If this, if this podcast is, is helpful to you, I, I, would, I would love it if you just share it with somebody, if you would rate it. And I, listen, I am loving this. I look forward to meeting with you next week. And uh, until then, we'll dig a little further into chapter three. Until then, listen, God's blessings to you.